try again. Right. All right. Good evening. It's uh, Thursday. It's eight o'clock. You're listening to Kayak Fishing Radio. I'm Chip Gibson, the tree hugger, and we're in for another hour of Buzzards Row. Buzzards Row. We sit around, we watch, we look, we make comments, and the man with the golden voice, the guy who can do it. Uh, introduce Mr. Craig Becker. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a Cavassier kind of night here on. Uh, it is. It's a little, really. it's a little laid back, man. Got my smoking jacket on. Uh, nice <laughs> fire in the fireplace, you know. Yeah. Light down low. Ladies' man. Sitting back and talking <laughs> fishing. That's right, talking some fishing, right? Yeah. And, I don't uh, always get on the radio, but when I do, it, it's I on kayak fishing radio. That's right. <laughs> and from the north side, uh, cut through all the traffic. <laughs> Jim, are you there? <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Gibson. How are you this fine evening on the south side? On the south side, we are we got a little thunder and lightning, but we didn't actually get any rain today. How about you? Uh, I got a lot, a lot of false advertising for rain, but not like actual that. rain. So, uh, you know, wow. I'm ready for a little rain. It's been extremely warm on the north side of town for this Ooh. time of year, or it seems to be. Yeah, man, we're. Uh, so I go. I walked out to the parking lot today and got in the truck. Did a little uh, dial on the dash was saying 94. So, but uh, yeah, it's been a little and muggy. You know, got a little extra. Oh yeah, water in the air. But uh, you know, this is—I mean, we're coming up on the middle of uh, July, and we're in the southeast. And uh, I see the lightning bugs are out there now, and I saw uh, the fawns are up and moving around now. I saw doe cross the road in front of me the other day. She had a little fawn following her. So uh, it's summer, and we're in the south, and. Not much you can do about it. Find the the fish are probably going to take a couple of weeks off here in a little bit. <laughs> so, but I don't know if I'd want to be sitting out in a boat in the sun. But uh, it's uh, it's that's just what we put up with. You know, it's a few weeks here in the south. It'll it'll be kind of messed up. But go to the beach, hit the coast. It'll be a little bit better. How how was your Fourth of July, man? Did you uh, get out do any paddling, or we talked about it? Sorry, I got I got roped into uh, making a barbecue here at the house, so that I did not know about. <laughs> the the good news is you really didn't miss anything, being that you went to the barbecue. Because uh-huh. my observation is they were generating electricity or generating and the at the Morgan's Fall Dam, which is the dam below the Carp Flat. And um, they could have been generating electricity because it is a Georgia power dam because of the you know high utilization over the weekend because of the AC running, um, and they were not releasing a significant amount of water from the Lake Lanier Dam, which is about 23 miles upriver. So mm. the carp flat went bone dry the whole weekend. My wife and I took our boats down to the river on Sunday. I took my new Ultimate, and she has a sit-in um, tsunami. And we paddled up the river and talked to a couple guys who were fishing, and they had caught some trout on Saturday, and Sunday it was slower. The water was dirtier. I think they had released some water from Lanier, and it had moved down through the system, but I think they were still generating down at um, Morgan's Fall. So the carp flat 
never filled up with any water. There's a little finger, which is the original little drainage creek through the flat to the main river channel. Uh-huh. But it's mud and grass right now, and it's been that way since last Saturday morning all the way till today. So maybe this weekend they'll stop generating at Morgan's Fall and that car flat will fill up. Yeah. But right now it is bone dry, unfortunately. Fish cannot, they just can't move that easy across a dry flat. They're real hard to no, catch on. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, they are, so. No, I think that. So you didn't miss squat, man. Okay. Well, I don't feel too <laughs> bad, then. I'm honest with you. <laughs> I don't feel too bad, you so. You didn't miss anything. Oh, let's see, where am I at? Oh, guess who's showing up? Coming to the party. Let's see what I can get for him. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Who's our man? Our New Jersey fan. What's up, Yak Tom? Hey, Chip. What's going on, man? <laughs> What's going on, dude? <laughs> Not much. I got home on time for once. <laughs> you got home on time? Dude, you have yeah. a job? Sometimes I wish I didn't. <laughs> Don't we all, man? Don't we all? I'm winning the race, so for getting closest to retirement, so I'm gonna. I, and I'm, when I do, I'm just gonna dog you all. I'm just gonna like, hey, I'm fishing again today. See you later. And nice. How you been, I, I man? Got, uh, <laughs> I, I got thirty, thirty-six years. Not thirty, thirty, uh, thirty-five years. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Dude, I'm a single-digit midget, man. I'm like at nine years. <laughs> nice. Anyway. Um, yeah, not a whole lot going on. Got out fishing no? last weekend, which was awesome. Uh, it's been really windy. That's been the problem. Really well, if windy. You, so. If you didn't notice, a, a hurricane kind of came by you there. And that kind of has a little wind. Yeah, but I mean, it was like... Even still on Sunday, it was still windy, and that hurricane was way up past Canada by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what it did for us here? Holy cow, man. It was like um, Friday morning, we got up, and it was cool here. I mean, it was like what? Like It was in the, in the high 60s on Friday morning when, when I got up. It was incredible. With a beautiful yeah, it became a little bit on Saturday. It was just early in the morning, though. And <laughs> it heated right back up. Yeah. In fact, I heard on the news tonight that, uh, you know, uh, this is the weather girl on uh, ABC News, Ginger Z there. Ginger Z was saying she was doing a piece of rope trying to talk weather with it. I was like, what? But there's a there's a typhoon over in the... Northwest Pacific right now, and it's so big, it's pushing a lot of weather, and they think that actually, like the Midwest, uh, Chicago area, and in the Northeast, it, you guys might actually see a freeze in the next couple of weeks. Wow, that's when that throw everything off. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to, you know, when I gotta, I gotta bring long johns when I go to New York. Yeah, yeah, in July. She called it Jill, no- Jill November or something like that, Joe Nimber. <laughs> like, yeah, it could be a possible freeze uh, is over the Great Lakes and uh, New York and stuff. Well, let me see if I can uh, find that. Chip, man. Yeah. I'll take a couple of days of that, but not, not too much. <laughs> yeah. You know, Chip, last summer in August, we had... One Saturday in Atlanta in August last summer, where the high of the day was 64 in Atlanta in August on a Saturday. Yeah. That was freaky. Yeah, we had a cool summer last summer uh, towards the end, but uh, June, July, oh, man. I think it was as bad as this year. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to think if I can see where they put it. Come on. I think maybe they talked about it this morning. I haven't. I can't see it. But anyways, yeah, so 
that would be kind of freaky. Um, certainly a little little cool air doesn't hurt. I don't know what it would do to the fish in, though. It certainly couldn't stay cold enough long enough to make a real big difference, could it? I don't think. Nah, I mean, you, unless it was, like, something where it pulled in all the, the cold ocean water from the, the mid-Atlantic all the way right. up, you know? Or yeah. from the uh, northern Atlantic all the way down. Uh, I don't see it being a huge threat. Just uh, might ruin some people's beach plans. Yeah, maybe. It's it's cold water up there anyways. Yeah, you got, it's actually you, warm you got, this year. We're up in the 70s this year so far. Mm, no, that's still not. That's still wetsuit water, man. 70 degrees. <laughs> Guys are in the North Atlantic, man. That's where they have the deadliest catch stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a little... Uh, further up, but <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um so we talked about the weather. Um a uh the sport fishing industry uh event of the year is happening next week. Isn't that right, Greg? It's next week. Uh, it is indeed next week. ICAS, right? It's the American Sport Fishing Association's trade show. It's uh, They alternate locations every year between Las Vegas and Orlando and the one that Greg decides to go to when he's free to go and nothing tied down is the one in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, so, what's up with that? What's up with that, man? Uh, but, Too far away from Greg. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> And so, but uh, Greg will be there acting on behalf as, you know, Yak Angler, uh, our friends there at Yak Angler, and also he'll put in a little bit maybe for Guy Christian Radio. And Sean Wagoner, uh, our buddy Sean from uh, from uh, the east coast of Florida there, he's going to he's gonna go over. We got him a pass, so he can uh, join up. We're, uh, I still have a day job that's kind of gotten my way. So, but uh, it's a... It's an interesting thing, and, and um, only industry representatives and the media are uh, are allowed to attend. So it's kind of everybody showing off their stuff in front of all the other manufacturers and all that kind of stuff. And having been, you know, doing kayak fishing radio now since 2010, and every year I haven't been able to get to it, but we've we've had folks go and give us reports, and we've had some live stuff, and hopefully. Uh, Sean will be able to do some recordings, and we'll have some stuff on the show. Maybe we'll get, uh, on Thursday night, maybe we'll get a live segment. Maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we can have some live segments on the shows. So uh, don't think just because it's Chuck's show or the Low Sodium show they won't maybe get a call from somebody at ICAST. But uh, it's it's interesting because over the last few years, there's been a lot of trend towards more and more, and I guess you know if you if you're driving a Ford Focus and you're look, driving down the road, you notice all of a sudden all the people that are driving a Ford Focus. But if you're interested in kayak fishing, I guess when you go to ICAST, you see a lot of kayak fishing related stuff. But um, it does seem that more and more kayak fishing is is starting to emerge onto the market as 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 a real thing. It's not just a hula hoop fad, and. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to see some stuff. I've I've been getting all kinds of because as we registered as a media uh, group at Kayak Fishing Radio, I get all these invites for us to attend and see and visit different booths there and stuff. And I've seen some really interesting stuff so far. You know, they give you a little heads up on what their what their products are and stuff. Some interesting baits. Uh, I don't know, Greg. Have you have you put together a list of things that you're you're planning on? Uh, checking out have you set up any appointments with folks to look at things yeah actually uh gonna be getting together with the folks from um uh Lawrence. their parent company is going to be announcing a bunch of new stuff so going to chat with them i'm hoping to find out uh be able to uh pick uh, woody's brain from uh from native liquid logic and native kayaks to see what uh what's new and coming out uh, you know what the future plans are for native, and try and get some of that snuck out into the uh, into the world. 
Uh, I know we've got some other stuff uh, planned on the Yak Angler calendar. We're just, uh, just going through now and trying to firm up some of that stuff. Yeah, we've. Uh, I know Sean has got a list that he's been putting together as things came in, and I'm looking to see here the the brochure of folks that are attending. Uh, we got an interesting one today from a fellow called. We call it straight cast. It's a new kind of fishing reel. It's really kind of interesting. Um, that uh, the it's like a spinning reel setup, but when you're reeling in line, the reel rotates like 90 degrees so that it's coming back on the line and level winding onto the reel. And then when you cast. Yeah. You can flip it one way and cast one way, and then you can turn it around and flip it the other way and cast the other direction. And supposedly that eliminates the twist in your line and stuff. So, um, I guess you just got to remember to flip it around, or else you have a giant, huge twist. <laughs> it's interesting, you know. And I mean, I give I give anybody props for uh, you know trying something different. And I mean, because honestly, you know, you think about a spinning rod, a spinning reel, fly reel. In a, I mean, not much difference, you know, trying to get some kind of new idea out there and all. It's kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, really, the last the last innovation that I remember seeing in the spinning reel line was the uh, the no bail concept. Right. But that's that 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 was really just a little bit of a design modification. But this is really almost a hybrid, I guess. You've seen it, right? It. You, you yeah, got I was the looking email. at the email before just for the show. Yep. Kendrick Gear LLC. I mean, you know, from a lot of people will look at it right away and go, you know, they're kind of purists or whatever, and go, ah, you know, it's kind of like a couple of weeks ago, Harley Davidson came out with a new <laughs> bike, an electric bike, right? And it was really funny because they put on, you know, they had some commercials and some things on about, you know, where they got all these biker dudes out there and like, what do you think? You know, and they're like, it don't make any noise. And that was the biggest thing. It don't make any noise. But it rides like crazy, man. It's a cool ride. But that, so I think everybody is just kind of preconceived notion of what fishing reels should look like and stuff. So when you see it, you're just kind of go, wow. You kind of get this puzzled look on your face. But I don't know the concept. And, and certainly as things go along, things change, you know, designers tweak things and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. Um, there was one that I got. I was trying to find it in my email. I might have already filed it. But um, it was kind of a new jig. But it looked like something that you would not want to use in a kayak because it had like five hooks on it. <laughs> I guess it was guaranteed to hook a fish. But it would also be guaranteed to get hooked in your leg or in your hand when you're trying to get it off the fish. I don't know. Again, stick, stick, stick a dynamite to it for the uh, failsafe. Yeah, yeah. Your back cast <laughs> into your into your stakeout pole there. Um, but uh, yeah, some cool stuff, you know. I mean, uh, is it is about six hundred different uh, groups are going to be there. Let's see, looking for the. They've got the list of. Uh, folks on it that are attending. Yeah, one thing that's actually kind of cool is the... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Gearkeeper um, originally started out with uh, retractors, kind of, kind of heavy-duty, you know, outdoor-level retractors for uh, rescue equipment and microphones and stuff like that for, uh, for radio gear uh, mm -hmm. in emergency services, and they poured it over very quickly into the into the fishing market, and I know they're coming out with a bunch of new stuff this year. Um, a lot of different types of, uh, you know, uh, upgrades on the traditional, you know, fly fishing zinger that got your scissors or your forceps or your your line snippers back. It's really more heavy, heavier duty stuff for like waiting staffs and net retractors and things like that. So that should be right. interesting to see what they've done with that. Yeah. Um. And then what else did I see? Of course, it's been on Facebook now a couple of times. It's the new soft-sided cooler by Yeti. Um, that's that's going to be down there. 
There is, um, is it wilderness or um, there's supposed to be another kayak propelled, kayaker propelled kayak that's going to be debuted at uh, uh, at ICAST. Predator. Yeah, Yeah, I think think so, yeah. yeah. And but from some of the clues that they've been given, the little teasers and stuff, I think it's electric. I don't think it's a. I don't yeah, think I think it's, it's a, like a torque, uh, a torque style predator, which this yep. thing really needs a motor anyway. It's a wide boat. It'd be interesting to see how they're dealing with um, how they're dealing with rudder issues. Yeah, especially with uh, an electric boat like that. There's wide rudder and so Yep. I was going to say, Wilderness and Jackson are both coming out with a... With lawn chairs. Yep. Yeah, so everybody's putting... I was going to say... Go ahead. Wilderness and Jackson are both coming out with offshore boats. And I don't know if the Wilderness are going to have those down there or not, or Jackson's going to come out. I guess they're calling it the Kraken. Jimbo's... Jackson, I think they were projecting for August. Uh, I'm pretty sure on that, so I don't think the boat will be at ICAST. Maybe they'll have a prototype there, but um, I haven't heard anything on that. But I know Jackson, uh, spoiler alert, uh, has a bunch of little uh, details they're going to expose there. So Cool. We'll, we'll, up, we'll upgrade some stuff. Yeah. No, that's kind of fun. I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything from Native. I know that they've had a couple of things on the drawing board, but I don't know if they're ready to do it here. Because there is, what is it, October, that's the outdoor retailer show. That's the, right. next, the next big show. And there's kind of some things to say, do, do we show it at ICAST or we, do we show it at outdoor retailer, you know. So, um, And I know, I'm pretty sure that Hobie's got something in the works. And I hear that it's something to do with the Outback, like a remod of the Outback. So could the Outback become a hull? Hmm. That'd be crazy. Could the, could the Outback become get a get a seat and a chair in it? You know, I mean that, that's something. I mean, you know, once you go to a lawn chair, and we've talked about this before, but it's just like it's really painful to sit back down into the water. It really, I mean, <laughs> one, it really is, man. You know, you're just like, holy cow, I got to go sit in the water. You know, but uh. And I, I mean, I guess the other thing that is kind of interesting to look in the in the market is a lot of the reasons that people kayak fish is because it's a less costly way to get out on the water, right? And I mean, I haven't seen a manufacturer other than um, oh man, what's her name? To feel free, they come out with a, a you know kind of a, 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 a an inexpensive model. Everybody's been attacking the market with more expensive models of kayaks, you know, with high dollars and stuff. And I mean, I'm not uh, the you know you, you you look at the list prices of the propels and the outbacks and the the pro anglers and you know some of these top of the line boats, man, it's getting expensive. So, yeah, you know, I mean, really, you know, and I mean, there there's still some good boats. I mean, you know, the the Redfish and the the Tarpon series and Wilderness, uh, the Jackson models. Uh, there there's some good inexpensive ones, but everybody just seems to be hitting the high end of the market and not. And not maybe you know coming up with something different for for the other end of the, of the spectrum. So I don't know. It's interesting. So. Yeah, I mean there is a big market for that. You do see it with um, West Marine has their own type of brand out now, where it's a you know four or five hundred dollar boat. Yeah, the, 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 the thing's heavy and it's it's probably not comfortable. I haven't paddled one, but you know they're selling big time. And yeah, they're gonna sell because they're mm-hmm. affordable. So that that's a good move. You know the the uh, the Bass Pro 
Brands, uh, the Ascends. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, Dicks. And, Dicks. and I and I I don't I I, don't, I try not to talk people out of those boats because I don't know what everybody's financial situation is when they're looking at a boat and stuff. But I mean, you know, you do get some of the less expensive boats are going to be heavier because they put a lot more plastic in them to keep them from cracking and stuff, or they're not as comfortable of a ride, or they're not as stable because they use a kind of a catch-all mold. And I don't know uh, how most people feel about all-purpose items, but, you know, if you're trying to get a a multi-purpose device, you wind up getting a device that only works half as good for the multiple purposes that you ask it to do. So, um, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, when I started out, I, I bought an inexpensive kayak because I wanted to see if I liked fishing off of one. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. You can go that route too. That's right. Um, I just saw it popped up here. Sun Jammers Water Sports. I don't know if Brad's listening in, but he's selling a demo Cuda fourteen. So, thousand forty nine. Who wants it? Just post it on Facebook. Sun Jammers Water Sports. It's a pretty good, good deal. deal on a Cuda. Looks like it's got ram mounts and everything on it. Not bad. So, interesting stuff. Interesting also in the fact that, like, um, uh, um, uh, Paul, that was at uh, the Boondoggle in Florida with his baits and stuff, and, and I don't know, the the cost of a bait, you know, of a, of a stick bait or, uh, you know, I mean, what what's the price on a, on a saltwater spook now? Like, Eight ten bucks. Oh, you mean Paul Van Rienen? Yeah, yeah. Unless you're in Walmart and they're they're seven and change. Yeah, unfair lures. Yeah, unfair lures. That's yeah. what I was trying to think. Thanks for that. Um, but I mean, so people are you know baits are a big thing. You're going to see a lot of baits at uh, ICAST, and I mean, you know, and some of the some of the plastic baits too. I mean, you pay, you know, three or four bucks for a bag of you know, half a dozen plastic baits. Is that going to last you all day if you're really getting hammered by puffer fish? No. Um, I don't know. No, that's what's making that's what's making the Z-Man baits look more and more attractive every time I go out. Yeah. Tell me about it. What what are you what are you so, seeing? Uh, well, Z- Z-Man is just uh, um, the elastomer they use to to make the baits is almost indestructible. Um, you know, I fished side by side the two of Lineberry uh, before he moved to the Great White North, both throwing you know, three-inch, four-inch paddle tail baits. I was throwing both DOA and Slayer going back and forth. He fished all day on a single bait from wow. Z-Man. And I'm, uh, between, between puffer fish and tearing them out, I mean, we, and we were into fish and into good-sized redfish and trout. We both probably caught 20, 25 fish apiece, you know, plus the, the blow-ups and offs and everything else. He went through the entire day on one bait. I went through a bag between the two of them. Hmm. And yeah, you ever that, uh, take those demands and stretch them out? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you can, they can go you know, forever you can snap somebody in the back of the head trick with those things, like you know, the rubber bands <laughs> in junior high. Um, <laughs> they, they, just, they go forever. And uh, I had an opportunity to talk to one of the reps from Z-Man at... Uh, um, the Tampa uh, fishing show, the Tampa outdoor show, um, this past spring, and they're supposedly coming out with with another line uh, of baits. They're big in uh, Australia and New Zealand, which is where they come from, but they're really looking to try and expand into the U.S. market. And nobody that I've heard of makes a bait that is anywhere near as durable as what they're doing. I mean, I like Slayer. I like the colors. I like uh, Mark Nichols, the the DOA series, and I've never fished a DOA I didn't like. Yeah. But when it comes down to pure cost factor, and the fact that you go, you know, you might use one or two baits in an entire day, like you say, especially if you run into a school of those little, uh, you know, pincher beaks that are just right. going to start taking chunks out of every bait you put out there. Um, it it does add up. It adds up. Yeah. You know, plus the time you spend re-rigging and everything else. So. Yeah. Believe it or not, yeah. those demands, they, they work pretty good on bluefish. And bluefish really? destroy everything. Wow. Yeah. White bucktail jigs. 
There you go. Yeah. You can tell Jim fishes down in the Keys a lot, right? What color should I bring? Anything in white will work, you know. As long as white. it's white. Any color you want, as long as it's white and a jig, and that'll work. Um, that's right. White bucktail jigs, that's all you need. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's kind of like flavors for your pet food, you know? I mean, really? So, I mean, what is yeah. a fish? You, you're, you you know, I'm I'm okay with match the hatch. Try to try to get something, but some of these colors and stuff like that, I don't know. I mean, we had we were talking about it a couple of shows ago, right? The uh, the C color machine, right? That you had to yep. have so that color selector here. <laughs> the color selector, so that you put that device yep. in the water and it would tell you what color bait you should be using and all. How did that improve your hookup rate, man? Tell me. I mean, was that? Uh, I still I think, can't read I a flash. Yeah, I probably felt better about it um, <laughs> because I was using what the machine told me. But I think it probably, you know, it kept my baits out of the water for another five minutes every uh, every hour. So it probably was an overall net loss. Right. And I'll tell you, from fishing with a certain individual, uh, redheaded young lady who is a machine when it comes to fishing, I've only seen her use one color bait, <laughs> and. It's a curly tail, it's an old like an old Mr. Twister bait. You know, it's a curly tail, DOA bait, and but you know she catches a lot of fish because her bait is usually in the water, and uh, and I mean somebody who makes a couple hundred casts an hour, uh, your bait's in the water, it's in front of fish. So if you got it up, you're tying on something different. That. Say what? Hello. I just said there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't catch fish if your bait's not in the water. So, um, but no, I, I, it's interesting. You know, I think uh, you look at it from that perspective, and those are some of the questions that I ask. It's like, you know, why, you know, can we? I, I don't know. There's still the old. Uh, I bet if you went on, out on some of the boats, you know, the the what's the uh, the tuna show that they have out of uh, New England up there, Matt. The the guys wicked tuna, and uh, wicked tuna. I bet I bet some of those guys are trolling cedar plugs, man. No no color to them or nothing, just a cedar plug and a hook hanging behind it, and they're yeah, catching that's, that's fish. That's Montauk style. That's how they fish out there. Yeah, you know it doesn't even look like it. it's it's just a stick with a with a hook behind it. <laughs> that's it. You know, weight to it. Or a tube bait for stripers, right? Just a piece of surgical tubing with a hook. Catch kudas. Yeah, we use them all the time. <laughs> yeah. What were you gonna say, Jim? You no, know, Chip. The one thing, the one thing about living in Atlanta, and you know, doing a lot of traveling and time fishing trips into work trips where you're getting on a plane, you pretty much. And we kid about the white bucktail jig, but when you fly and you're trying to tie in a half-day fishing at the end of a business trip or at the beginning of a business trip, you become very focused on, and it's almost like when I first started kayak fishing, I just didn't carry that much stuff on my kayak. And, you know, there are some things you can take carry on, and there's some things you have to pack in your luggage, but you're still fighting a 50-pound bag limit um, right. per bag. And, you know, after two bags, you're paying. So you become very focused on, you know, there's not that many things you really need once you become proficient to catch fish, whether it's freshwater or saltwater. You know, you mentioned a spook. You know, I walk the dog in a chugger, you know, a chugger or a prop when it's windy. That's about yep. really the only two topwater baits you need. And then you go subsurface. Yeah, you can, you know, if you go to Louisiana, you can fish spoons all day. I've done it. But, you know, a soft plastic on a jig head or a bucktail jig with a soft plastic under it, or a bucktail jig, either you know white chartreuse or root beer, with some procure or one segment of shrimp pinched off on it, you can catch a lot of fish on not yeah, a wide can. variety of tackle. And I know that goes against you know the tackle industry, but for those who are, are young or have like a lot of my buddies have two or three kids and two kids in college, and you know they can you know, afford a used kayak and maybe one or two spinning rods. But, you know, you got two kids in college, there's not a whole lot of free cash to be buying $8 to have a shrimp, 
you know, plastic shrimp invitations. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, getting and on it, an airplane, when you have to look at your bag and get on an airplane and go, uh, what can I stick besides this four-piece or three-piece rod and get some fish where I'm going and it's got to fit in my hand? Right. It kind of focuses you in on what you really need. Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take ten bags of these uh, uh, two ounce lead weights and uh, <laughs> but no, you're, yeah, you're absolutely you right, that. man. <laughs> and and actually, you know, as you get to a point, and, and one of the things I really like uh, down in Tampa, we missed one, but they do it quite a bit, and you know, we've done the DOA tournaments and stuff. I really enjoy those kind of competitions where it's a one bait or a two bait competition. You know, it's like this is what you get. If you lose it, you're out of luck. You know, you're done fishing for the day. Come on back in. But I enjoy that because it's really interesting, you know, and, and I've done it this year when I've been fishing and just to clear out stuff out of my tackle box and just say, fish this and see how you can do it. I mean, Greg and I were talking earlier this year about we're going to fish spoons more this year or something, you know. Let's just fish a, a, a bronze-colored spoon and see what we can do with it, you know. I mean, challenge yourself like that, it's, it really gets to be kind of fun, too, you know, because it's like, man, I wish I had, you know, a soft plastic right now. I'll take this spoon right off of here and get rid of it. But, you know, you, you work it and you get confidence in it. And that's the thing, you know, a guy like you fish a white jig, you know, bucktail jig, you're probably more confident with that. You probably will catch more fish than, than a guy who's just there with a bag full of different soft plastics and some all these different colored jig heads and stuff, and he's sitting there trying to figure it out. If nothing else, he doesn't have his bait in the water, so... Um, you know, one thing that, that it, that it is, and, and I don't know, I don't know if I'm on a soapbox or anything, but it's just kind of a, just an observation, like I said, of that it seems like a lot of the new innovations and everything are going to the top end of the spectrum when it comes to kayak fishing and all, when originally kayak fishing was, or at least I thought kayak fishing was just a way to get out on the water with the least amount of expense as possible. And I know, Greg, that you are uh, pro staff and you you you, you got uh, some stuff with some rod makers, but fishing rods are something that I mean, it, I, I build I, I've built a few rods. I've got a rod jig. I've got my own lathe and stuff like that. But I mean, even for me to just build a rod, just to buy the components, decent components. I mean, just the basic. I mean, I think you just go to mudhole.com and look at their. They're fighting brand. You're talking 60, 80 bucks for a kit to build a decent, you know, seven foot saltwater uh, inshore fishing rod. And it's it gets it gets me, you know, when you see and and I get it. Some of these rods are just really incredible. And, and you, know, you go to some of the big box stores, and, and I and I have this discussion with my brother-in-law at times. You know, you know, you spend more. I I spend money on my rods and reels because I like having a nice rod and reel, and it, and and I think it makes a difference. I, I I will tell you that if you've never fished with a nice rod and reel, then you won't know the difference. But the, the first time you pick it up and you cast it, and you have a seven and a half foot rod that you can get on a flat and you can throw it, you know, forty yards, uh, it'll make a difference in in the kind of fish that you put in a boat, but. It's interesting, and some of these fishing rods, they're really, really pricey. And then you know to go, can you? you they shutting one in a door doesn't. If it costs two hundred bucks, does that keep it from breaking the tip, Greg? If you, if you have a really expensive um, speaking, rod, speaking from from personal experience, uh, no, <laughs> it, it does not. Do the, do the fancier ones break? You're not a pickup, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, the snap sounds just the same, and and if anything, the sick feeling in, in the pit of your stomach is a little bit worse. So, so you um, get an advantage but, there, right? The, yeah, but the other side of it is, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times, what comes with paying that little bit extra is a little bit more security. That if you do break the rod, there's a little bit more behind it. This is than, true. You know, going back to Wally World and getting another one. So. Not uh, you know, not with any specific company, but a lot of the higher end companies and a lot of the higher end rod blank manufacturers do stand behind uh, behind their equipment. You know, even for um, stupid people who do things like close them in the door. Yeah, like me. And, and don't get don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not 
because I, I, I am advocating that if you're going to spend a little extra money, I would go with a cheaper kayak so that I could fish with a better fishing rod and a better fishing reel. And and, and we've talked, too, about fishing reels. You don't need to have the Van Stahl, uh and as Capti yep. puts in there, you know, TSA will break seven out of eight of your rods. So that's why you take eight when you go <laughs> on the airplane, because TSA will break seven of them. Um, but there are some really decent fishing reels out there for a nice price. You don't need uh, a $600 spinning reel. Matt, you use those, right? You use Van Stalls. And what's that big Shimano? The, the Stella. The Stella, yeah. How many Stellas do you have in your boat's trucks? Huh? Uh, zero. No, <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I, I'm a I'm a kayak fisherman at heart, and pretty much all I use is uh, rod and reel that I won't cry if I drop <laughs> overboard and never see again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty much, I've I've always fished with ugly sticks, you know. I've had a lot of custom rods that I don't bring on the kayak with me. And, yeah, and uh, I, I stick to the ugly sticks on the kayak until Mark Wheeler introduced me to bull bay rods. Now that's all I use for flounder fishing. But right, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it's, it's I mean, good. I've always and, and, looked at it that way. And, and another thing too is, I mean, you don't. Do you have a spinning rod on your boat? I'm, I'm thinking you fish a little bit differently. You're you're jigging a lot, right? Yeah, I jig a lot, bottom fishing a lot. I carry one spinning rod, and that's just in case there's a top water effect going on, and I need to cast something that's right. really light, you know. Yeah. So for folks that listen to the podcast, folks who may be listening, we got a couple of guests in the chat room. I know they're listening. Um, Matt is from New Jersey, so in different places, you know, Greg is from Tampa. Jim's on the north side of Atlanta. Uh, Cab D fish. He's up there in Maryland. And so, or Virginia, and and so a little bit different kind of fishing. Whereas, you know, I tend to, I used to carry a bait caster with me, but now I kind of leave it in the in the in the truck because uh, I've gotten to where I really like, you know, the couple of reels and the and the rods that I've got going with the spinning rods. I can I can really do a lot, and I don't have to fight with the backlash. So, um, but there are times when a good bait caster will just uh, will bring it home for you. So. But, uh, yeah, so, like I said, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not harping on guys, you know, charging a lot of money for fishing rods and stuff. But uh, there is there is something to be said with a good rod. And, like I say, another thing, too, is if, if the rod has been built, um, it's a little bit easier to take it into a shop and have a guide replaced because the ceramic popped out of it or something or get a new uh, tip put on it or... Uh, have it have it cleaned up, you know the the seats tend to not corrode as bad, you know they're not made out of uh, aluminum and uh, the cheap stamp metal, but uh, so yeah, it, it's interesting because there's a lot of differences and it'd be interesting to see if there's any I know uh, Bull Bay and there's some other rod manufacturers and stuff that uh, they've been listening a lot to kayak fishermen. I want to see if there's anything, because one of the things that I think is a little bit awesome, guys fishing on boats, guys fishing in kayaks, is you, you really can't have the 18-inch uh, uh, butt butts on the on the fishing rod, you know, when you're sitting in a kayak. It just doesn't work for, for casting and stuff. Um, uh, fly reel is, tends to be a little bit too short, but... Um, something about in the eight, nine inches. And I know that there was, uh, what Okuma made a specific kayak rod that was kind of looked like they had the, the, the handle put on backwards because it was short on the bottom and long on the top. So, um, but I don't know if anybody bought it or not because everybody was using ugly sticks. So, <laughs> no, ugly sticks are good rod, man. They're, they're, you can beat them up. And if you're going to be fishing yeah, in a kayak, stuff is going to get beat up. That's the way I look at it when you're kayak fishing. You, your stuff is is going to take more of a beating than boat fishing. I mean, it's you're going to get everything's going to get wet. Everything's going to get salty if you're in the salt. You know, it, it's 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 two different you know, it's two different uh, aspects of fishing. From a boat higher off the water, from a kayak in the water. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Yeah, even in a, even sitting in the lawn chair, like we said earlier in the show, you're still going to get wet. I mean, you just cannot hope to get in a kayak and go out there and not get a little water on you. So, this is Cap D's Tochterman's Fishing Tackle. Baltimore, Maryland does a great job of repairing rods and reels. So, maybe we'll uh, do a tech show. When we get to the end of the summer, remind me and we'll do a, a tech talk on... Uh, cleaning your rods and reels at the end of the season is, uh, that's important if nothing nothing else even if even on your less expensive reels it'll la- add some life to them if you take care of them so um, what else what else are you going to be looking at Greg what do you what, what, where where do you you say you're going to go to Lawrence but uh, baits or are you just yeah, going to keep your eye out for something technology. New technology. Um, I I know there's there's some other stuff on the uh, you know on the on the horizon and on the uh, the yak angler search and destroy list, but um, I'm I'm really interested to see uh, you know what how far people are taking a technology, um, and I, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but just to see you know obviously there's there's all kinds of innovations coming out with you know better GPS better bottom machines, better sonar, better, better this, better that. Um, you know, I don't think taking it to the, uh, you know, the uh, electronic lure stage is something that I think we'll see much of in kayak fishing. But a lot of the technology manufacturers are definitely paying more attention to the kayak market, especially when you look at the improvements in the smaller bottom machines, the smaller, um, you know, GPS integrated, uh, integrated units. Uh, you're seeing kayak manufacturers now that are, that are keeping that stuff in mind when they're molding boats and molding in, you know, through scupper transducer ports uh, for a lot of the guys who are fishing in more than, you know, 12 inches of water. If my paddle can touch the bottom, I really don't think I need a bottom machine. But, uh, you know, a lot of the guys fishing lakes and rivers and other, uh, those other big areas, it's really important. So the manufacturers are looking more at that. So it's interesting to see how that how that technology drift is starting to is happening, seeing how, how folks are trying to implement that more in, uh, in kayak fishing, especially stuff you'd normally see on bigger boats and bigger, more expensive boats is now downsized both in, in physical size and in the size of uh, the hole in your checkbook uh, right. to, to the kayak fishing market. Yeah, I got a $500 kayak and a $1,600 bottom machine on it, and um, it works yeah. out really good. It's got its sonar yeah, like, and all. like the guy. That's like the guy with the $500 rifle and the uh, $5,000 scope on top. It's, it's what counts, man. It's what counts. You know? Well, there's a lot to be said for that. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't poo-poo that one too much because there's yeah. a lot to be said for being able to yeah. be your target. Yeah. But if you're, if you're only going to – you know, we talked about this before the Adventure Fishing uh, Championship where um, you may not – if you're in shallow water, I mean, if, you're, if your paddle can touch the bottom, the – the, the scope of a, of a transducer to be able to help you out like that. Now, there are some side-looking stuff that's out there, but I think that it's still probably a little outside the reach as far as cost goes for a kayaker. But um, certainly a GPS that can be used in full sunlight, you know. I mean, I tried taking my iPad out there in a life uh, life-proof case and all, and it, and it survived, and it was floating around in the boat and everything, and so... I know the life proof case works, <laughs> but you can't read the daggum thing out there in the sun. You know, it's kind of like I, I gotta yeah. get underneath my seat, you know, and cover up my over, put the jacket over my head so that I can see it and stuff. You know, <laughs> but oh, it will be nice. You had that fifty-five gallon drum liner on the boat with you. Uh, makes yeah, sense. yeah. I had to go that into new uh, Samsung phone. That thing's waterproof. Yeah, yeah. The uh, in fact, I. The the clone has the four active and uh, he when I had him he when he had an iPhone he put a life proof case on it he would take the case off and guess what he dropped it in the water no go figure right oh. got him this got him the Samsung active he drops it in the water all the time it's it's living it still lives so but um but yeah it would be interesting to see the technology thing I mean I'm I guess it's cool 
uh, to have the, the the little electronic stakeout pole on the back. Those are kind of cool, but it's still yeah. you got to carry a battery. You know, you, you got to have a battery for it. You got to wire that stuff in. As we talked in that one tech talk here about, you know, you go putting wires in your boat and electronics, and you got to start worrying about because salt water is and salt water and electricity just do not get along. They don't cohabitate very well together. Um, Especially copper. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Well, you know, there is one thing that, talking about the downsizing, and there's something that I do want to look at, and uh, it's it looks like an integrated sonar machine. Uh, that's, it, all, all the components are in a little thing that looks like it's about the size of a softball. And that's, I think, your transducer, and it goes down in the water. And it links by Bluetooth to an app in your, you know, your iPhone, your iPad, or your, you know, your Android device. Um, and that, it's got an integrated battery. Uh, everything's self-contained. And that, I, I don't know what the price range is going to be, but I'm really interested to see how viable that is because you know, almost everybody takes their smartphone out there. And if you can avoid having to put a you know, uh, 12-amp-hour battery plus wires plus you know, all this other stuff in your boat, and just when you want to use it, just be able to look down at your smartphone and say, okay, here's what's going on. Right. There may be a market for that. There really may be a market for that, especially if, they, if the integration is, is well done. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one as well. Well, Especially it costs I, about $100. That would be perfect. Yeah. I, I saw that. I got that, <laughs> right? I got that email. And it's about, it looks like a big bobber. And you cast it out. I mean, it goes on your line. You cast it out, and the line runs through it. And so it gives you a downshot of what's over the top of your bait. And uh, actually, Hummingbird had a very similar thing. It was a very small little transducer. It was a wireless thing. It did one off of Bluetooth. I don't know what it did, but it was a little wire thing. And you had a, a unit, a head unit that went into the boat. And I had one of those, and, and I played around with it. It was about 100 bucks, And I never put it on the line that I was fishing on, but I would have a spare rod, and I would just put the little transducer on it and throw it out there. So I figured out where it was, and I used that as my target for, <laughs> for where I was going to cast, too. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty neat idea, plus the fact, like you say, I've already got half of the equipment. You know, I've got a smartphone or an iPad or something like that in a waterproof case, that, uh, a, f- a waterproof phone that I'm ready to, that I've already taken out on the boat with me. So hook me up with something that'll, that'll, that I can add on, you know. I think that's a great idea. Um, I, I, I like, like the direct TV commercial, no wires. Yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting too to see if there's any more of a because I like to use uh, navigational maps. You know, I like to see the topography of the water. And Navionics had their kind of they they were really getting into some really cool uh, and some resolution on their mapping. But it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem to work for me with a phone. It'd be interesting to see if there's anybody else out there that's got something like that because if I know where the trenches are and stuff, you know, it makes life a little bit easier. Especially if I'm coming from a shallow area instead of having a big bottom machine that I got to find out. But if I if I've got a mapping device that'll get me to where the structure is, you know, uh, I I can go by map and then work my way around to find find what I'm looking for on the bottom, but. It's interesting, and I hope to see some really cool stuff, and I hope we get some reports, and you guys call in when you're down there. Give us a call in the evenings, Monday night show, Wednesday night show, Thursday night. Let us know what you saw in that daytime and stuff. Don't I know that there's stuff that Yak Angler wants to put out and writing and stuff, and people will read that, but it be interesting to see. And, there, and there's going to be some cool people there to talk to, so you're going to see all of the faces down there too. So, anyways... I'd like to see a crankbait. You could change colors on the fly without having to retie the thing every time. <laughs> it's, it's called a Sharpie, man. You just get that 100-color pack. You just, it gets a little heavier yeah, you can't every change time. It back. Once, it's all, once it's all black, it's done. <laughs> you say that. It's 20, it had to be 20 years ago, more than that, back when I was fishing in you know, the Redman and, and the Bass Tournament circuit. There was a guy who came out with a crankbait that had, it was a clear crankbait on both sides, and it had a vertical slit right along where the mold line would be on the dorsal side of the bait, 
and he he had little pieces of colored um, it was like colored plastic with metalized mylar and other stuff like that that you inserted into that to give the bait different color and you could change color and texture. You could put a little fire tiger piece in there. You take that out and put a red piece or you take it out and put a, you know, just a silver piece or a green back color. And I thought it was a really, really great idea and none of the lure manufacturers ever picked it up. And I think the reason for that is because they want to sell you five different color crankbaits. They don't want to sell you one that you can change colors. Sure. Okay, so yeah, from, you know, from a manufacturer, it was a great idea. It was a great implementation. I actually had one and lost it. But, uh, I would that lose, idea was there. Yep. I would lose all the little pieces, you know. Um, yep. You know what? You know what I think. One thing for me is is that when you're using a jig and a soft plastic, once you rig that soft plastic on there, you might be able to put the hook through it again one more time. But for me, it's like it gets tore up and it won't stay on the hook, you know. So maybe something that might be a little different there. Um, I don't know. It would be interesting. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Cool. Well, we've gone around. It's been a quick hour. Lots of fun talking, chatting about possibilities, uh, things that are happening, and we'll see what goes on next week when ICAST opens up, the American Sport Fishing Association's trade show. We've got some people that will be down there. Keep an eye open on yakangler.com and Kayak Fishing Radio. We'll hopefully have some audio for you and Maybe uh, maybe get some interesting people to get a phone in their face and say, hey, I know we had, uh, um, when Isaac was uh, helping us out and doing the show, uh, he had um, Ike Iconelli, uh talking on the phone there one night. So that was kind of neat. I have to go back and find that that show way back when. I think it was 2011. So um, go around the horn here. What's got, what do we got working for the weekend, Matt? What are you planning? What's your game plan? No hurricanes this weekend, uh, right? Well, tomorrow half day at work, so I'm going fishing in the afternoon, definitely. And Saturday is um, Heroes on the Water, our fifth event of the season. So I will be volunteering at the event, guiding uh, a couple of veterans. And then Sunday, I hope the weather holds and uh, no wind. <laughs> no wind. That's no what I'm wind. looking for. But, uh, yeah. Uh, it, it could be like five miles an hour. I could deal with that. I'm tired of this 15 to 20. Uh-huh. All right. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a fishing cool. weekend, definitely. Well, good luck with the uh, Heroes on the Water thing. I hope that uh, it's a good turnout for you and the heroes have a good time and catch some fish. What's biting up there right now, man? Still got the summer flounder in? and Still got the flounder in. The tide runner weak fish are around. Um, a couple of big black drummers still being caught. But um, that's all happening outside in the ocean now. We're going to be actually in the bay. Um, but uh, the croakers and spots should be should be uh, starting to bite around now. So we'll, if if we can't get, find the flounder, we'll definitely uh, we'll get the heroes on the uh, croaker and the uh, spot. It's always fun to catch. So. Awesome. And you know, as we were talking about lures there and stuff, I know back. Back in the day, there was one lure that we could always put on 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 the rod on the line and catch fish with. And I've caught more fish on this setup than I've ever caught on anything else. And that is a gold hook with a dough ball on it. And that that's caught more fish for me than ever caught. <laughs> I, I know a little berry dough ball. Yeah, just a little dough ball on there, man. And uh, does it go? Yeah. Yeah, that's it, man. Stick it on there. <laughs> I, I was asking Randy Viney one day, I said, you know, Randy, whatever happened to the days when we just had a cane pole, you know, with a line on it and a bobber and a little bread ball on a hook, you know, we just catch fish all day long on that. And he's like, when was the last time you tried it, you know? I mean, so it's probably still there. Um, we just haven't tried it in a while. We get too caught up in our, our Sarah Spooks and our... Uh, Super rods and reels, but anyway, Jim, how about you, man? What's your game plan for the weekend, man? What do you plan on doing? If they put any water in the river, I'm going to wash that carp flat. If they'll put some water in the river, I'm going to go chase carp. Um, That's right, and you're going to harvest one and give us a give us a report on how they taste, right? I I really would like to harvest one on a body of water other than the Chattahoochee is what I'm Oh, I might have to agree with so, you there, yeah. So 
Might have to agree with you. You know, with the Chattahoochee. The the uh, bacteria counts go up pretty large when the water starts moving. <laughs> ah. Yeah, the, it suffers the woes of going through um, large metro population populated area. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then we won't hold you to that, but we will hold you to some pictures. And Matt, you got to throw some pictures of some fish up, man. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm just not seeing them, man. Okay. I don't, I don't really post pictures of fish on Facebook too much. You got to check my blog, so you got to read a little. Oh, bit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we got to read your blog. So. But I stink at writing, so you don't have to read it. Just check out the pictures. Just look at the pictures. Okay. Yeah. Fish. <laughs> Matt. Matt Trucks. Fishporn. Dot com. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cap D, you've been in there lurking, man. What's going on? What are your game plan for the weekend? You going fishing? Yeah, man, I'm going to try to hit the river. Uh, it, it's cutting out the water level. Is. I, we don't have a problem with water. we got food, food water up here right now. Yeah? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the other thing we've been doing is, that, you remember that, that trailer we brought down last time, the last food daughter, right? Well, we did a recap yeah. on the trailer. And, uh... uh Put a couple of extra coats of varnish on it, put it together, box up, put some T bars up. So we got a we got a, a, a four a four pack kayak fishing machine there. And nice. Got Boss America, and it's so nice. You you pull up to the to the ramp, you you open the un, you know unlock the box, and all your gear is right there. You get off the water, you put it right back in there. You get back home, and it stays right there, locked up in that box. Nice. Some of, some That's of the awesome. transfer in and out of the garage stuff. You know, we solved the... Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's one thing to have one kayak and throw it on top of the truck and a, a PFD and a tackle box and a, and a rod and, you know, that fits, right, and a paddle. When you got four of them... Oh, that's uh, a lot of work. Four, it gets, it gets, you know, space. So we got that all done. Good. Good. So yeah, what, we get that all done, and uh, so and and I'm you know we're looking forward to, to hitting the next. So we're back to Merritt again, back to Cars Park again. You know, that that question. Yep, yep. Cars Park for the Boondoggle Columbus Day weekend. It's going to happen again. So, all right. Well, I'm and, uh, looking forward to actually catching fish. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and uh, keep your yeah, eyes open to too for. What's funny so, up here is, uh, you know, we go up and fish the river looking, targeting the smallmouth, and uh, the last two, three times I've been out, I've been catching doggone catfish, good size, you know, 16, 18-inch catfish, uh, on unfair lures, go figure. They, they, they catch everything, man. Yeah. It's global warming. It's global warming. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> so. Hey, keep your keep your eyes open for a message. We're we're thinking about maybe a, a football game this year. Maybe maybe get you and uh, and Marianne and uh, Bubba to come down. And we'll do a football game. Hey, hey, you know we hooked up. Well, you knew that we hooked up. We re- reconnected with him and his new squeeze up here. So good. Yeah, that might be a good a good plan. Yeah. Okay, so keep your eyes open for a message. Follow up on that. And uh, all yeah, right, cool. cool. Mr. Becker, last but not least, man with the golden tongue, golden voice, boom. What are your plans <laughs> for this weekend, man? You're batching it too, well, right? Been, uh, I, I am indeed. I am. Uh, I'm flying solo for uh, for another week and a half, but uh, my back has still been jacked up. I had really hoped to be out for tarpon this week, and it hasn't happened yet. I just haven't wanted to take the chance on, uh, you know, really wrecking it. But I'm hoping it'll be better by the weekend. A couple of buddies of mine down fishing off Bradenton uh, yesterday, I think yesterday or the day before, um, between the two of them had six fish in the air and brought two to the boat, So and those in the kayaks. So that was, uh, you know, that's that's a good morning when you're less than 100 yards offshore. Nice. So I'm, I'm really looking to get out there and get the propel and, uh, and the, uh, yeah, the bull bay rod both involved in some silver action. But uh, if not, it'll definitely be uh, trying to get out on the flat before it gets too god awful hot. Yeah, it's out there for a little bit. Now. So. so, all right, well, great, and folks, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Our guests that are listening in there in the chat room, if next time uh, use your uh, 
any social media login. You can pretty much get logged in. You can participate and ask questions. We appreciate you tuning in. Those who listen to the podcast, we had 3,000 uh, listeners last week, 2,900 downloads of the of the podcast. So it's awesome. Uh, we'll keep it going and keep talking about kayak fishing. Next week, we'll hopefully get some insight as to what we're going to see on the market. Thanks a lot, guys. Mr. Becker, Matt Trucks, my buddy Jim, and uh, Cap D there. You guys all have a safe weekend and uh, fish on tight lines. Take a kid fishing, too. You, know, you, you can't go wrong that way or introduce somebody else to the sport. We'll see you next time. It's Kayak Fishing Radio. I'm Chip Gibson. Good night. Play the music. There we go.